The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Well, this morning I want to talk to you from the topic, if you're taking notes, your secret weapon. We believe it. HIA, that note takers are history makers, by the way. So I would urge you to pick up a phone, grab a pencil, write that down. Your secret weapon. This title reminds me a little bit of the first time that we met. Pastor Josh mentioned we had breakfast and had a bagel, and you know, it was a great morning. We realized we had a whole lot in common. We were kind of from the eastern side of Oklahoma. We both way out kicked our coverage with our wives by far. And and we just kind of laughed and we cried and we solved all the world's problems and we just became best friends that morning. And I realized that a lot of it, as I look back on that conversation, I realized that that the reason why we were able to grow and get connected is because we engaged our secret weapon. I want to tell you this morning that you have a secret weapon. You want to know what it is? It's your story. See, what happened in that breakfast just over a bagel, what seems like so simple and yet mundane routine was that as we shared our vulnerabilities transparently, our struggles, our sin, even our shame, we were able to connect to one another. And good things have come from that. I came to tell you this morning three quick things about your secret weapon. Number one is your story is your secret weapon. You have a secret weapon, and it is your story. Number two, you need to know that stories connect people. Nod your head if you're with me this morning. Stories connect people. And number three, stories change people. You see, stories are sticky. And if you don't believe me, listen to this. Some psychologists and smart people at Princeton will tell you this, that brain waves of people that are listening to stories actually begin to synchronize as you listen. They'll tell you that stories actually connect us molecularly. What am I saying? Stories are sticky. They change us. The scientists will tell you that depending on the story you're reading, watching, or listening to, your palms may start to sweat. You'll blink faster. Your heart might flutter or skip. You could get the chills. Have you ever got the chills as you hear someone tell a story? You see, stories are connecting from the inside out. Stories Connect us. It goes on to say that your facial expressions might change. Some of you are smiling. Some of you are not. Smile, right? Stories connect us. The muscles above your eyebrows will react to words. Stories are connecting. It goes on to say that listeners, in turn, may keep thinking about the story, go home, repeat it to someone else, therefore reinforcing what they just heard and ultimately changing them changing their attitudes and their behaviors. How many of you have been changed by a story you heard? You see, stories are a secret weapon because they connect us and ultimately they change us. But church, I came this morning to tell you that we don't need science to tell us what our Savior has already taught us. God knew the power of stories. Jesus modeled that so many times throughout the Gospels. As he told stories, we like to call them parables, earthly story, heavenly meaning, right? How many of you have seen the Chosen series? Good, all good Christians have seen the Chosen series, right? (laughs) 
Side note, Dallas is a whole lot taller than you think in those videos. I saw him in a hotel lobby the other day, and he's tall. And as I've watched the Chosen series, I, every time I can't help but cry at every single episode. And I love getting to see Jesus and getting to maybe visualize what that might have been like when he had a crowd of people around them, and he's trying to help them understand what he's trying to teach them, right? And so oftentimes, what would he do? He'd tell a story. He's, not, he's understanding that they're not realizing where he's trying to go, so he says, well, it's kind of like a, a son of a rich guy who chose to go and squander his inheritance, right? And it begins to go on this journey of storytelling. What is Jesus doing in that context? He's engaging your emotions. He's telling a story. He's showing you what this might be like, what it might feel like. He's using the power of story to connect us, to change us from the inside out. You see, we don't need science to tell us what our saviors already taught us. Stories are sticky. They're powerful. They're a secret weapon. And God's given each and every one of you a specific, intentional, only you, unique story. You've got a secret weapon, and so do I. I'll never forget the first time I realized I was addicted to prescription pain pills. It was a freezing cold February night. I was in a Holiday Inn hotel outside of Denver, Colorado. Negative degrees outside, yet 4 a.m. I woke up in a puddle of my own sweat. My legs were kicking uncontrollably. My stomach was churning. All I could do was literally roll out of the bed and with a thud, I hit the floor. This nasty, dark hotel room floor, I crawled dizzy and discombobulated all the way to the bathroom, pulled myself up over the sink, flipped the lights on, and I caught myself in the mirror. And in a moment's notice, thousands of thoughts rushing through my mind. What's going on? Have I eaten something? Am I sick? Am I about to die? As I saw my bloodshot eyes, my swollen face, I realized I was addicted. You see, for weeks leading up to this point, I'd begin to take a handful of prescription pain pills. My excuse was that I was in way over my head at work. It's in a high-pressure job. I found that those pills, at least for a short term, gave me this, this lie, but this, this relief, this rush. And so I began to take a handful every single day. For whatever reason, leading up to this trip, I had not taken any. And in a moment's notice, in the middle of the night, my body was waking up desperate for those chemicals, crying out searching for them, restless, irritable, discontent. I came face to face with a decision. I could pick up a phone and call for help, or I could make a pledge to continue to use and abuse, and that's what I did. Well, you fast forward about 30 days later, and I ran into this unbelievable woman. I mean, she was beautiful. I was so smitten, so in love, so head over heels that I actually stopped using Drugs for a few weeks. But how many of you know there's no amount of love that can ever change an addict's heart? I got swooped up in love with this young lady and proposed to her, and we were off and running, but man, our life was absolute devastation. It was a cycle of addiction, lies and screaming matches, fights, manipulation. So many times where she'd stand in front of the car, beg and plead me not to go get drugs, 
And I'd get in that car and I would chase the drugs and she would chase me. This cycle continued for months and months and months as my addiction rose and rose and rose. The darkness enveloped our lives and I began to become the worst possible version of myself. I was a liar, I was a cheater, I was a master manipulator. I'd look you in the eyes, honestly tell you anything that I had to tell you to get whatever I had to get. And normally that was into your bathroom to steal your pills. During the end of that season, I stole a bottle of pills from her sister, this incredible young woman who had stepped into my life, who had loved me right where I was at. After that incident, rightfully so, chose to leave and break off our engagement. I found myself in a home just right up the road in Edmond where I was taking as many pills as I possibly could, just hoping that I wouldn't wake up the next day. Near the end, it was 50 pills a day. And friends, I can't even describe to you the darkness that enveloped my life. I was a horrible person with no hope, no future, no thoughts outside of how can I get high today. But I came to tell someone who's watching today or in this room right now that we serve a God who will crawl into your darkest moments and lift you up from your greatest defeat. See, there's no place where his grace won't go. There is no misery his mercy won't heal. And there is no darkness his light won't overcome. Friends, the Bible says it very clearly. Our friend David who says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. David's saying, if I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, he's using a lot of fancy phrases to say, I can't leave your presence. And someone needs to hear that this morning, that there is no place of darkness where the light of our Father cannot reach you. Hide that in your heart. There is no place of darkness where the light of our Father cannot reach your son, cannot reach your daughter, cannot reach your spouse. No one is too far gone for our God. That's good news. You can smile, friends. That's good news. The light of our Father came and rescued me. Rescued me from a 50-pill-a-day drug addiction in utter darkness, with nothing on the horizon, on April 27, 2011. He lifted me up out of the mud and the mire. He set my foot on the rock. He steadied me as I was wavering. He put a new song in my mouth. I found myself in a treatment center for 90 days when God began to heal those wounds inside my heart. He began to lift me up and, and show me other people that were like me. You see, for years and years and years, I had suffered underneath the lie that I was the only one doing what I was doing. Someone needs to hear that this morning. That's a lie. The enemy likes to tell you there's no one sinning like you. There's no one ashamed like you. There's no one embarrassed like you. There's no one humiliated like you. That's a lie. That's why we gather together. So we can understand we're not alone. And as I was sitting at that treatment center for 90 days, getting to know other men just like me, I began to realize that what the enemy meant for evil, God was about to use for such, 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 such good. Such good. What I realized is that 
every single step of the journey, if I was willing, God wanted to use as a secret weapon, a story. I had no idea why I was a pastor's kid who struggled with addiction. I had no idea why I'd struggle with depression. I had no idea why God had put me in a place from the outside looking in like I had business success at a 25 years old. But what I was realizing in that treatment center is that every single aspect of my life, God was about to start using. But see, it's one thing to have a story. It's one thing to have a secret weapon. It's another thing to be willing to engage it. And now I'm speaking to the whole body this morning. There's another aspect of your faith. It's called engaging your secret weapon. God didn't save you to keep you on the sidelines, friends. He wants you in the game. And what happened to me, I start to realize very early on in my sobriety that, yes, God had blessed me with a story. Yes, he'd been given me opportunities to change my life and get clean and sober. But it was much more than that. And I had to start saying three little letters, yes, 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 to what God was putting in front of me. And I had to start engaging my secret weapon. So very early on in that treatment center, they'd, they'd come to me and they'd say, hey, the Bible study guy's not going to show up Thursday night. We know you're a pastor's kid. Will you lead the Bible study? I'm like, here we go. I've had this my entire life. I've tried to run from this. I don't want this. Isn't it amazing when God opens a door? And you know you got to walk through it. Someone needs to hear that this morning. That door's open, friends. That opportunity for you to Minister to your coworkers, open friends. That neighbor who needs to come to festival tonight, you need to send them a text right now. I don't mind, go ahead. When God opens the door, it's our response to say yes, to engage the secret weapon, to start using your story, not only for your good, but for others. And God began to bless every single one of those yeses. And I really believe this. When we say yes to God, we're saying yes to our purpose. We're saying yes to his destiny in our lives. We're saying yes to the preferred future that he has for us, but we've got to engage our secret weapon. We've got to do it. And I honestly believe this, that if we sit down one-on-one, -on -one, we sit over here in these chairs with these guys, and one-to-one, -one, I ask every single one of you this morning, do you want to live a life of significance? Do you want to live a life of purpose? I believe in your heart of hearts, every single one of you would tell me yes, a resounding yes. And I also think that many of you would say, but I don't know how. I don't know where to start. I see the mountaintop. I don't know how to get there. And I came to tell somebody this morning, your first step is to say yes and put your foot on the rock and start climbing. And then you've got to say another yes and start climbing a little bit more. And yes, sometimes it's going to get steep, but you've got to keep saying yes to God. You've got to keep engaging your story. You've got to keep engaging your secret weapon. You've got to tell people where you were, where you are today, and where you're headed. As you begin to do that, what looks improbable, what looks impossible begins to become possible. I promise you, you don't need to know step 100. You just got to say yes to step one. Come on, friends. Nod your head if you're with me this morning. The problem with stories sometimes in our minds is that the enemy wants to make us compare one to another. I'm speaking to somebody this morning who's up there thinking or out there thinking that I don't have a story like you, Lance. I've never been addicted. I don't have a crazy wild story. That's great because most of the world doesn't need a crazy wild story. They need yours. Quit comparing. The enemy wants you to compare one to another. It's okay. You've got your story. I don't have your story, sir. You need to engage yours because I can't help the people that only you can help. 
The enemy makes us compare one to another. I understand this because I walk through it every single Sunday morning as I drive to a church to tell my story. And the enemy tries to whisper in my mind, Lance, nobody cares anymore. It's been 10 years, dude. You're just another drug addict turned sober story. You never put a needle in your arm. You never spend any time behind bars. Your story's not that powerful. But friends, I reject that. I reject that with everything in me. My story is powerful. It's the story of God's goodness and his grace in my life. It's the story of the gospel over and over and over again. I was a man who was once lost, who is now found. I was a man who was once in bondage to shame, in bondage to substance, who's living free today. I've got a story to tell. I've got a secret weapon. And the great thing about a story is, yes, I am able to connect with you and hopefully change you, but I'll walk out of here more confident, closer to God, living in my purpose because I chose to tell my story. And God has that same invitation to you this morning. Will you tell your story? Will you engage it? Great things happen when we begin to live in the purpose that God's called us to. Soon after treatment, I realized I couldn't just do a nine-to-five job anymore. I don't know if you can tell or not, but I'm a little bit crazy. (laughs) And so I began to open up this homes where other drug addicts and alcoholics would come and live. And this vision of this program began to kind of filter down through my mind and through my spirit. And so I started Hope is Alive with one house and five guys. I think we've got a picture of those five guys. I want you to see these dudes. Number one, because this is a picture of me with no beard, which is kind of scary. (laughs) Allie says that'll never happen again. But from this group, these five guys in one home grew two homes and grew three homes and four homes. And God was beginning to bless it in a really cool way. About that time, I ran into that young lady. Remember the one I told you about who was so unbelievable, who swooped me up? I began to talk to her a little bit more. And unbeknownst to me, God was doing a work in her heart, a work of forgiveness, a work of grace. Someone needs to hear that this morning. Don't give up. Keep praying. They're not too far gone. Keep praying God will bring them back. And outside of my relationship with Jesus Christ, on October 15th of 2016, she gave me the best gift I've ever given. I've ever been given. It's her hand in marriage. We got a picture of our wedding day. We just celebrated five years on Friday. What's amazing about that and why I'm telling you this is because she joined the ministry and God began to call her to open homes for women. So she stepped out and began to do what? Engage her story. Use her secret weapon. And one women's home went to two, went to three, went to four. And God began not just using my story, not just using Allie's story, but our story together as this secret weapon that was not able to be defeated. And the more that we told it, the more that we delivered it, the more that we told people and invited them to come to these homes, the more God blessed it. And as Pastor Josh just said this weekend, we opened home number 24 in the 10th city, in the 5th state, over 215 residents radically changing their lives. I think we've got a picture of everybody together. Look at all those people. From five people to that. Leave it on there for just a second. New song. You're investing in the future of every single one of those faces. Because beyond every single one of those people, it's a mom, it's a dad, many have children, all have incredible futures. You're helping to change so many people's lives.
It's the power of a secret weapon. Which reminds me as we close today of a young lady named Christy Martin. Christy grew up in a Christ-centered family. She's never really exposed to drugs, kind of like me. She's a good student. In fact, she was homecoming queen. But her parents got divorced and she began to go in the opposite direction. Found herself in an abusive relationship and ultimately began to experiment with drugs and alcohol. Nine treatment centers later, four DUIs, several moments and times in prison, and this is the picture of what Christy looked like when we began to know her. Leave it up there for just a moment. Christy ended up picking up a couple really heavy legal charges. That quite honestly, in any other circumstance, any other story, any other situation, would have landed her behind bars for many, 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 many years. And just a few days before her big sentencing day, her mom, desperate for help and hope, stumbled into a Bible study at a lake house, of all things, with a bunch of other moms sitting in a circle. And a mom across the circle began telling her story of how her daughter had struggled with addiction, how her daughter had found out about this program called Hope is Alive, how the program had helped to change her life. And the power of one mom using her story, her pain, right? Her shame, right? The tragedy in her life. As she began to tell that story, to use that secret weapon, Christy's mom, as you can imagine, began to get really excited. So she found out all that she could about Hope is Alive, passed it on to Christy, and they went to the judge and they said, Judge, will you please just sentence me to Hope is Alive? That's what happened. Miraculously, Christy came into our program, began to change her life, worked through all the incredible things that God has allowed us to do in our program, and was able to restore her relationship with her children. And this is a picture of Christy today. To God be the glory. Great things he has done. But get this. This is not the end of the story because today Christy is a full-time staff member at Hope is Alive. She's sitting right over here. And get this, this is what Christy does every single day. She takes almost every phone call and every application that comes through our website, dozens and dozens and dozens every single week. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the hard work that she's put in, and the new song, the new story that she has in her mouth, she picks up the phone and she talks to the applicants. As they're about to make the biggest decision in their life, what do they do with their addiction or their sobriety. And as they're on the fence and they're wondering, can I do this? What's the program like? Can I make it here? Will I be accepted? She uses the power of her secret weapon to help motivate them, right men? Many of whom are right here. To challenge them, to give them hope. Christy's got a story that is changing so many people's lives. Over 150 people have found their way into our program since she came on staff. That's the power of using your secret weapon. And I believe this is the promise of Ephesians 3.20. That God can do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we could ever ask or imagine. I hope that you're tracing this back from one story to the next. 
to the next to the next. God using the story of salvation in our lives to radically change hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people and ultimately generations and generations to come. God wants to use your story, friend. What you've walked through, no one else has walked through. What you think might have disqualified you has actually qualified you. Only in God's economy are the things that if only you've walked through the exact thing that maybe someone else needs to hear to help them change. See, so many times we believe and maybe we forget that God wants us to be his co-workers. That's what he's called us to. He wants you to be a part of the journey. He wants you to come alongside with him. And so when you feel that tug on the spirit to get involved with the group, to invite someone to church, to give a dollar to somebody for a curbside chronicle at the side of the road. That's God saying, come and join me. Come with me. Get off the sidelines. Get in the game. I've taken you through this journey so you can have a story to tell. We are not fighting this battle alone. No matter what you're facing today, Revelations 12, 11 says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So don't you ever feel like you were unarmed, my friend. I hope that you're walking out of here knowing that you've got a weapon you can use. You've got a weapon you can yield. You've got a God behind you that's willing to fight with you. But you've got to get that sucker out and start using it. The blood of the lamb and the words of our testimony. If you're struggling today, remind yourself of where you were when God found you. All he's taken you through to get you where you are today. You got breath in your lungs. You got another chance. Your best days are ahead of you. You've got a story to tell. My friends, will you engage it? Let's pray. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.